0: Hey all thanks for tuning in today. Um, I'm just finishing writing my show notes and I have so many tips to share with you after this conversation. The guest of this week is Robert Overweg, who is an artist, internationally renowned artist, I should say. Uh, He's known from Centre Pompidou, amongst others. He's also an adaptation expert, an education innovator, and he works for... For example, the school of Elon Musk. So he's pretty inspiring to talk to, I can tell you. And he had so many advices on books, um, ideas for artwork, ideas for how to set up your day in such a way that you're constantly inspired and never overworked. We talked the future of education. We talked his artwork and career towards working in businesses, and corporates, and why especially working in the arts in his initial years really left him confused, but also inspired knowing, I really don't want to do what they're teaching me at school, um, but that it was scary as shit as well. So he's very open there. We talk about forest bathing, which I just did, and he does on a regular basis. Um, we talk about why he's pretty, busy, you could say, on a basis of of his schedule, but then he's hardly reachable. He hardly picks up his phone, especially not in the work in the morning. And he also explains in a pretty convincing way why we all need to study technological developments. And he gives some tips where you can start doing that if you want to have a say into the future. So please do check the show notes, because I wrote down all of his tips, all of his book favorites. Um, You can see the links to his art which I really recommend because it's cool. He makes virtual art, he makes art in platforms like Second Life very cool, very confusing and that is what we talk about as well. Why it's really good to sometimes not know. Why it's really good to find that space of ambiguity and why ambiguity is a capability of the future. So really enjoyed his conversation. I did. See you next episode. Bye. Today we have as a guest Robert Overweg and it's amazing people listeners you're not seeing us but I'm seeing Robert and he is sitting with me in the beautiful Soho house Amsterdam where we have a recording studio for the moment. And the man is wearing a plant blouse, sitting in a plant chair next to a plant. It's really a beautiful sight, I must say. And we will share on the social a photo so you can see it as well. But I don't know how you did it, but you just merge into this room like nobody can. So Robert has a goal, and that's to empower people to live a life full of possibilities, which sounds really nice, but how does he do it? Well, he talks a lot about the ways to use tech to work smarter and add value to the world. He's a frequent speaker at institutes like MIT, South by Southwest, and the European Commission. Um, he helps people, teams, and organizations to develop adaptability, to spot new ideas, to be open to them, and to learn about ways to put ideas into reality faster. And he created an adaptable mindset program for that, which has been applied at several Fortune 500 companies, SMEs, and now supports over a thousand students and solopreneurs. It's pretty impressive. Um, He also has over a decade of experience in innovation and digital transformation with clients like Vodafone, Liberty Global, eBay, Heineken, our own Dutch Heineken, a variety of startups and innovative schools. And I like this part the best in your bio. He is also an artist and exhibited at the Centre Pompidou and the Media Biennial in Seoul. So welcome, Robert. Thanks for being yeah, here.
1: Thanks for having me. Wonderful to
0: be here. Um, we're going to talk a lot about the future, but I always start a first question first. And that is to all of the guests of the um, Unmachine Yourself podcast. And that is... When you were a kid, did you know what you were going to do or what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: Yeah, so for a very, very long while I, I had no clue what specific thing I wanted to do. I did know that I like to build things. I was very creative. I was painting at a very young age, like large scale paintings. Uh, my dad bought me a photography camera, so I uh, actually took real photographs with a with an actual roll, and we developed these things. And most of them were actually not very good. But did I you was, do
0: it in a dark room, like in the bathroom, I, or something? I even
1: had had a, a a few courses to to learn that at a a little bit of a later age. But mm. in the beginning, it was just a throwaway cam, and then sending it to the Hema. You know how it works. Yeah. Uh, but it's just learning, building, experimenting. Uh, I also like to play games. So, and then when I, when I look back at all of the stuff that I like doing, I now notice that I am still doing all of these things. So for me, it was not uh, not a case of I want to become X or Y. No, I was more in a sense following my curiosity, pulling on those threads, finding out how I can how it how it relates to me, and how I can make it my own, and how I can then use that in the world and. Of course, that's a process of, of testing, experimenting, and in a sense, you're trying to find a product market fit between your own happiness and between what the world wants. So for an example, with my photography and my love for games. So I started taking photographs in computer games back in 2007. And that's the thing which was uh, exhibited at the Centre Pompidou.
0: Yeah, well, well, if you have a link for us, we'll put that in the show notes. I think it might be really nice for our listeners to see what you mean.
1: Yeah, so I ventured to the end of the virtual world of computer games. I ventured to places where things collapsed, where glitches happened. So, uh, and to me, I was just exploring there and I saw it as the new public space of like current day society. And back then, even at the Art Academy, which I was studying at the moment, thought it was a silly idea. They, they told me to, uh, yeah, maybe you should switch school. I was like, switch school? I'm in my fourth year. <laughs> so what is this kind of advice? A bit late, yeah. A bit late, maybe. Um, so even in, in art academies, I noticed um, like a lack of openness. Uh, and that's something that I encounter. As in like, they,
0: they considered art as more the traditional, perhaps... Forums, while you were also interested in, I don't know, Second Life platforms or VR or, yeah.
1: Yeah, and indeed. I was interested also in the new things and they were interested in making books, also making uh, design and branding and these sort of things. And they're also valuable. But I sort of had this feeling that, you know, there are new things on the horizon which might be more valuable for me and for the society. Um yeah, so there was this there's always been this discrepancy between what I wanted to do and with what the the at uh, least authority or the world required me to do. And I think also taking a distance from that has really helped me. In as in it.
0: taking a distance as in just just kind of sensing what pulls on you and following that instead of yeah. Admitting to what the authorities then indeed, demand. Indeed,
1: indeed. Following more of your intuition, uh, being aware of the discrepancies, and sort of testing and validating with yourself, with the market, friends, loved ones. But that
0: that can demand courage. If sometimes, I mean, I recognize it in two ways. Like I'm a writer and a researcher, and mm-hmm. I've had now my books are doing quite well, and you know I have international publications, but but this is my seventh book that I'm now writing. And I mean, I think books one to five didn't sell so well. And then you kind of, sometimes you lose faith. Like, am I just crazy? Or do I really have a talent and I'm not crazy to continue to do this? A hundred percent. And I can imagine as an artist, or especially as you combine these yeah. things.
1: It's scary as fuck. Yeah, yeah right? I, I, yeah. I agree. and. But yeah, you, you do need to go through it. You do need to go through the motions. And for me, with the with the art thing, I think it took like eight years to, yeah. for me to get somewhere. But I was doing so many other different things that I just didn't really care that it took so long. Yeah. So that was my uh, sort of cheat code.
0: As and, in you had things that brought in a little bit of money.
1: Yeah, or not, not even a little bit. Just I, the money. Just money. Uh, it's It's the same here. So now I'm working on... Uh, teaching people adaptability and openness to new ideas. but that was in the beginning also a little amount of people understood the, about the necessity and still it's early early days. so also this is a, a long run it's a, it's a long investment um, and maybe in three to five years it will be more it will be more common
0: Why did you why was this concept I agree with you that an adaptable mindset or an open mind so we do it at hedge as well. Mm-hmm that it's so important, especially now in times of polarization and fake news and, you know, and uncertain futures, et cetera. So you constantly have to kind of be able to shift perspectives or... Why did it become such an important topic for you? When did you realize I want to do something with that?
1: Yeah, I think in a world that is constantly changing, being able to take a different perspective and be open to new possibilities, it's a necessity, especially if the world is developing now with new technology at breakneck speeds, difficult to keep up. Um, so I've been working in innovation, corporate innovation, startup innovation for over a decade. And uh, so this is the reason also why I started with the adaptable Mindset program, because I saw so many people unhappy doing work that they did not want to do. They became like this, this gear in a big machine, uh, lost, uh, lost meaning, lost connection, a lot of unhappiness. And I was like, "Whoa, what the hell is happening here? This is so bad. And people said to me personally that all of these things that they would not mind happening to them so that at least they could sit at home to just recuperate to just take a breather it's it's insanity and at the same time i saw that within uh, education students who now grow up not a lot uh, they don't learn a lot of skills which are relevant uh, for this for this era so in school they're being taught models which are maybe five six years old outdated already and when you um, but you still need to be able to reproduce those, those ideas. So yeah. when you learn them and you, see you have this intuition that maybe this is not, not correct anymore, maybe I need to learn something else, but you still need to learn them and you still need to reproduce them. So you lose a bit of your autonomy, you lose a bit of your flexibility and your critical thinking. So that's why I thought everyone needs to have adaptability because you need to be able to adapt to changing circumstances like constantly.
0: It also makes you more resilient. I resilient? Would say. Yeah, Yeah. more happy. So I'm just, this is a very spontaneous question, but I've, as a future anthropologist, I am very interested in the future of education as well as a potential future project. How would your ideal school look like?
1: Yeah. So uh, we also work together with the school of uh, Elon Musk, uh, Synthesis, Uh, with kids between eight and 14 and the way I experience these kids, it's just Beautiful, how open they are, how creative they are, and I think we should do more of sort of protecting our children in a sense in instead a, of modulating them yeah instead of putting them in boxes and, and putting them in molds and
0: so what do they dif- what do they do different on that school just so we have a clue
1: yeah, so they uh, mainly work together in groups, yeah that's one thing, and uh, they they fail a lot they uh, have to solve complex uh, complex problems. Uh, they have to work with different age groups, different nationalities, all of these things that you will end up doing in whatever culture you're in. And what we teach is following your curiosity and learning that you can learn from Minecraft, you can learn from games, like whatever you find inspiring, you can extract knowledge from that. But a lot of people sort of forget that yeah. and, uh, along the way. And also the ability to continuously learn. That's also something that we, that we teach.
0: Yeah, exactly. And also perhaps if I just may add from an outsider's perspective, um, learning to learn instead of learning by, by head or by heart, just knowing, okay, so if I don't know something, these are the ways in which I can find information, which might mean being really good at networking or finding the right information sources. Because I think that is something that you will need throughout your work life a lot instead of, you know, knowing the provinces by heart, which yeah. which you and I probably yeah. had to do yeah. at school, yeah. right? Which and, I
1: was very bad at. Yeah, yeah. me yeah. too.
0: But then explain it to a toddler now, he or she'll be like, what? What? Why do you need that? Yeah, we 100%. just Google it, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah.
1: Yeah, and also the ability to validate and, uh, and challenge ideas. Yeah. And look at things from different perspectives. I think that's also a good skill to have.
0: Which is also a good skill, I would say, um, if we get back to the adaptive mindset, we sometimes try people to, um, especially because we expect more polarization on work floors, where you will have people that will have read different news feeds, you know, completely different news feeds. And so you have all these people and it kind of seems like, why do you really think that's the truth? Well, because my news feed is really different than yours. And so you get bubbles where people, find more closeness with the other people in the bubble, but more distance with the other people. So we try to, especially with leaders, to help them to train themselves into counter thinking. Like if you have a conviction, this is really good, try to train yourself into, but there might be truth in the other person's perspective, which is a really hard, uncomfortable thing to do. But But you you can can make it fun as well. And and you can get better at it. You notice that if you train that a couple of times, it actually becomes easier. Yeah. And I think it's such an important skill. Yeah.
1: yeah and you all just also need to expose yourself in a very fun way to different perspectives. So you can use, for an example, art, philosophy, movies, nature, all of these things can help you and train yourself to be more okay with ambiguity, with uncertainty, because I can show you some art that will make you like, oh, it's difficult to look at, but it's also amazing at the same time.
0: Give us one tip that we can show with the... Um...
1: Yeah, I will, I will. The, I saw this beautiful painting once uh it was uh, just before corona um it's the the name slips me away, but we'll add it to the show yeah. notes it's it's beautiful chaotic you can see many, many 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 different things in it but it also gives you a bit of you know ambiguity and uncertainty but you so you can train yourself by exposing yourself to these sort of things the same with sports you know you can do a bit more of a dangerous sport and learn to deal with stress and uncertainty in that aspect. It's why I rock climb. Me too. Ah. Yeah, I was afraid of heights. Yeah, so me So I was too. like, what kind of bullshit is this? Yeah. So I figured, uh, let's go rock climbing. Yeah. And then in the beginning, I only dared to go like halfway and yeah. then push it out. But, you know, just keep on improving, learning. Too. And, um... I actually
0: wrote a book about it as well. Awesome. Years ago. It's now only an ebook. It's It's not published anymore, but it's called Fear. And I interviewed some of the world's best rock climbers on mm. how they deal with fear, awesome. like Alex Honnold, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I call them fear experts or uncertainty experts, yeah. because yeah. you really have to find ways to cope not not so much only training your muscles but also training your ability to stay calm to not know what the next section yeah. will bring you and et flow. flow learn flow very interesting yeah, I,
1: I think we can learn so much from sports also so is,
0: is that what you recommend people so say because we have many listeners that listen with their teams mm-hmm. or um with their colleagues And so if i'm an inspired listener now and i'm like i yeah okay i've heard so much about this adaptable mindset what would you recommend what can they do at home to Mm -hmm. train train a more adaptable mindset what is a very simple trick
1: yeah i think one of the first things to to be aware of is that like the the frames of your mind also define how you view the world and how you how you see possibilities so it would be good to expand your frame of mind So go into realms that you have not uh, went into before, Mm. like into games, into philosophy, and and like the beauty in the world, you know, the things that have always pushed us forward, integrate more of that into your life. At the same time, you can do uh, things that um, have proven to give you cognitive flexibility and adaptability, like meditation, yoga, sports, uh, or, or introduce more of, of a playful aspect in your yeah. life. You know, when was the last time that you played at work, that you were just, you know, exploring things and went into a different realm where there are no rules? Yeah. Well, you know, when you see kids playing around. Uh, the other day I was at uh, the at marina terrain uh, when the sun was still shining so a few weeks ago and you saw these kids shouting and they were in this entirely in their own world. And I was like, they're, they're just making stuff up on yeah. the fly. And that is a beautiful space to be in. Yeah. And also at work, in your own life. And sports, for example, can help you in getting more in this, in this play state. So I think it's like um, yeah, a very holistic approach. Yeah, and- we,
0: we have an, um, a signature program um, that is closed now, but it will reopen. And it's called the Unmachine Yourself program. And it's about getting back to that human capability of playfulness, fantasizing, thinking out of the box, Being really creative in your thinking, and you can really use that for leadership skills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think, and uh, you can train it as well. 100, and it's fun. Yeah,
1: and it's fun because you just need to look at, so um, be have a bit of awareness of where you are, where you have a few challenges. Let's put it in that way, and then just see what kind of building blocks you can use to solve these challenges, and then, but also look at the root cause. Of these, of these challenges that you have. So, so
0: what made you rigid in your thinking? For Indeed, Hexum?
1: are you afraid to fail? Uh, why are you afraid to fail? Because reason XYZ, can we solve reason XYZ? Yeah. Or can we train more? Yeah. Or can we fail in sport maybe a few
0: times and, yeah. and then find out that it doesn't really matter? Did you, I mean, this is all about what people can learn. What, what did you have to learn most to get where you are now in your career?
1: Good question. Um, I think what gave me the, the biggest push and the, and, and the large change was understanding the context that other people are in. Hmm. So I have my own experience, I've read a lot of things, experienced a lot of things, um, but I have a different upbringing than the person sitting uh, across, across of me. Uh, the same thing when we want people to change within organizations. No, they could have too much stress, they could have fear of failure, the environment could not be conducive to change, and you know, all of these things play a role. And we can't just ask people to do something or, or say that they need to do something. It doesn't work in that way. Um, so that was one of the uh, more profound epiphanies for me. Um, so I'm always trying to understand the context of companies that people are in, and then going again to the root cause. Another important aspect is challenge all preconceptions. Mm. Um, so in the beginning, also in my art, art career, in the beginning I made I made not so good art. I made exactly what I, what I saw before in in my environment, like Henry Cartier, Lee Friedlander, like street photography. I was also making that in, in virtual worlds. And after a while I was like, why the heck am I making it like exactly the same? What is this? Um, so yeah like it's but it's the same for photography as in real life any photographer going out goes out to photograph with preconceptions of what can be found and and the, the photographs just just show these preconceptions so you need you need to take that leap and you need to break free a bit but it's hard to invent a new color huh uh, but
0: you can invent a new perspective and you How can How do you do that so so say that you're thinking about a photo project and you notice that your mind thinks of all the things you know yeah. and that you find beautiful. Mm-hmm. How do you go yeah. beyond
1: that? Yeah, I think for me it was um, uh, it was an aspect of daring, of of just going as well. Um, I think that's that's one of the most important important things, and also expose yourself to not things. In particular, from the um, from the field that you want to pioneer in. Hmm, I like that tip, yeah. yeah. So find, yeah, all other knowledge that you can transfer back into your realm.
0: Yeah, because I do sometimes, I remember even with this company Hatch, like I'm the scientific advisor for Hatch. Sometimes together with my co-founder, with Martijn, I will discuss like, how can we organize this nice event? And then I'm responsible for like, but it has to be really good, right? Like the content has Mm -hmm. to be really good. And then I notice if I think about a cool event, I will draw on all the cool events I ever attended, which is nice, but it's not the best because Mm -hmm. sometimes Martijn then comes up with something like, yeah, but we'll just invite this rapper or we'll come with a, musician, an opera singer yeah. that will do something or you know why don't we cook all together and we'll just send out dinner boxes to everybody in the world who's joining us. I'm like wow yeah. and then I think he's doing what you just suggested so he takes something from his own background and he pulls it into event organization.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm a strong believer in, in to traveling into weird and different places to the fringes and bringing that knowledge back again yeah and that is it's just fun to do as well.
0: Yeah. And I also like something that you said in the beginning where you go and see the beauty of the world. I always notice, and I do this too little, but I always notice when I go to a museum, sometimes it's an exhi- exhibition that has something to do with the future. So it's my profession. But... I tend to not, I always get inspired. I always get fresh ideas. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in a way that's not really feasible, but a couple of months later, something pops up, right? But I tend to forget that I can perceive that as part of my work. So instead of trying to cramp it into the weekend, like, ah, I really, you, you would. I think ideally in an ideal world, we would all take ourselves out to artist dates and just, you know, go and see or read, take two hours to read this interesting book and, and see that as part of your leadership trajectory. 100%. Yeah. I
1: think we've got our work Totally wrong how we're currently doing it. Yeah. Like the 40 hour work weeks, they originate from the Henry Ford era. I know when it's we're the factory protecting workers. workers from
0: longer hours, which Jesus. was great in the sense, but they were yeah, but doing you, things with your hands. Now most people are doing things with their minds, and indeed. we cannot concentrate.
1: We are knowledge workers now, and, and we need to explore, we need to train our imagination, we need to take care of our of our uh, our mental abilities as well, like reduce stress, you know, all of these things. Should be part of your work, and also maybe maybe venture into different industries because I see that most industries, uh, even it's even worse within companies because they are most people stick even within their own vertical, so they don't even go beyond their vertical. Let alone that they go cross company and learn from uh, from different realms.
0: Yeah. So what do you think? Abby? This is a wonderful bridge. Thank you for that. For to the next question, namely, what do you think future-proof companies or leaders really need when it comes to capabilities or strategies yeah
1: yeah so without a doubt for me it's adaptability mm. that's also what i notice within the companies but adaptability combined with openness to new ideas because most people start with no that's not how we work here uh, or they are a bit of a, a bit afraid or they have you know, too much stress all of these things sort of sort of limit their thinking but in this day and age one it's fun but also the world is developing so fast that you need to wrap your head around future possibilities and experiment with it. Otherwise, no, it's a, yeah, it's a short track to oblivion if you don't. Um, and at the same time, there's so many beautiful things that you can bring into your life. It can make your own life better, um, more resilient, happier, and all of these things.
0: Mm-hmm. But if you say, um, for example, you you talk a lot about the ways in which we can use technology to add value to the world. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, it's a very polarized conversation, right? Where people, either they're very afraid of technology or they say, well, it's inevitable. Everything is going to be robotized, um, decided by algorithms anyway. And so Mm -hmm. there's, there's the realistic conversation or the helpful conversation sometimes lacks because perhaps people should try and Enfisage, how could it look like or what might be ideal for me and then work from there. But mm-hmm. could, could you, I mean, how do you help people yeah. in that conversation?
1: Yeah, I think it starts with asking asking people what they want to do, uh, asking people what drives them, finding out about their intrinsic motivation. You know, why are they on earth? What makes them happy within companies? But also look at yourself, you know, what, what do you like doing? And how can you bring value? That should be your starting point. And from there, you should find technology, so you should develop technological awareness of what is happening, what is going to happen, and then attach these things together. So what is currently happening is that we tell people we are going to work more data-driven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't want to work data-driven. I want to be, don't want to be driven by data. Maybe I want to be informed by data, but it should then also be connected to my goals or the goals of the customer. You know these, these yeah, sort of the the
0: companies' values. Indeed,
1: yeah. indeed. What are your values? Is your value just profit? Dude, there's so much happening in the world with with the great resignation. You know that a lot of people are are, are switching jobs. Uh, the global average of um, of engagement at work is twenty percent. Like people don't care. People are just a lot of people are just you know, almost in a sense collecting their paycheck because they have little room to explore. Uh, they're not being asked what they want. They're not being empowered and put in their, like, full potential. And that's when technology comes in to sort of, you know, you can write together with a, with a GPT-3, with an artificial intelligence that can help you, it can be like a sparring partner if yeah. you want to develop yeah. more in, in writing. So there's, did you know about uh, no-code prototyping? There are tools now where you don't need an entire team of engineers anymore. So you don't need... Uh, iOS developer, Android backend—you can do it on your own, like in in a few days for 10% of the cost, 10% of the time, uh, and 10 times faster. You should be aware, so you can build your own company or you can speed up innovation within the larger enterprise.
0: Yeah, I recently worked with um, architects, and it was interesting to think with them about how will your job change essentially. Mm-hmm. And they came up with well something that. We, we got back to the values, like, why did you do, why did you, why do you do what you do? And they said, well, because I really like designing, et cetera, and I really like to be inspired, et cetera. And so they come up with this wonderful future scenario where they said in the future, it will all be open sourced. And so instead of now it's really competitive, right? Being an architect, but now perhaps it becomes more like a shared thing where we have designs that are open to everybody, But then what is my value still, right? Mm -hmm. And so it really got them into uncomfortable zones of thinking, but also very interesting because then you can sense suddenly how important your job is and for what reasons. And if I hear you talk, then I think, so people have to, they have to think of future scenarios because otherwise they're just going to be oblivious because the future will be there faster than they think. Yeah, you'll become
1: a slave of the technology if you don't know where where you want to go.
0: So you have to think of an if I can decide, then this part of my job, I would just let go or Mm -hmm. be taken over by a robot or by an algorithm. But this I would really love to keep doing. But then at the same time, you have to stay flexible because things will work out completely different again or partly different. Right. That's how I summarize.
1: Yeah, Yeah, 100%. And maybe I'd like to add one more aspect because some listeners might think, uh, Robert, I don't have time for this. No, I'm up here, up to here, up to my head in work, and I have too
0: much stress. And listeners, we feel you. Yeah, we Indeed, feel you. Hundred
1: percent. So, uh, so you. But then maybe you first need to start with creating more clarity in your life, creating brain space uh, by going into nature, going for long walks, um, by doing meditation, yoga, breathing exercises. All of these things. Maybe waking up without your phone, putting your phone in flight mode. Uh, turning off push messages, turning your phone on silent. All of these things I do, Um, I'm very hard to reach. So I have Slack, I've got Teams, all of these things, but nothing is on push because I want to live my own life. I want to um, give freedom to my brain to explore and let my subconscious brain do a lot of the problem solving for me as well.
0: Do you also interact with people through WhatsApp, email, Slack, whatever, on certain times instead of throughout the day.
1: I prefer to do that. Yeah. And I prefer to not have meetings in the morning because in the morning I'm on, um, the most creative. So I wake up preferably without my phone and then like three hours I just work, put in the work.
0: Yeah, that's uh, what I do when I'm writing a book. I call it my yeah. holy writing time and I I don't. Then in the afternoon I interact either in interviews or I will have podcast recordings or i will have email exchanges but instead of having the email inbox kind of cluttering your mind beforehand right
1: yeah i I don't think you want to live your life by um, outside impulses especially not from the beginning
0: no it's a reactive way of working instead of an active way of working. so you
1: are again not in control it's not empowering um so yeah that's important um
0: Yeah, we have a program coming up called Ditch the Distractions, which is exactly about that because it's so overwhelming for people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And everything
1: everything is trying to get your attention. And I'm not really sure if a lot of things are sort of honest. No, the content that is written online is uh, search engine optimized. No, it's made for you to click. Netflix wants you to continue watching. Uh, so i don't try not to watch any series on netflix because i don't want to get suckered in so if you think uh, if you are not so uh, fortunate as us that you can free up like three hours in the morning uh, maybe you can do it in the evening so that you don't watch netflix or don't do the instagram thing Uh, you don't doom scroll um, and then free up time there and then gradually work on yourself and what you want to do and Yeah, feel your backpack.
0: Or to my listeners who are single and searching, I'm now working on a book on the future of love and intimacy. And I always tell people, if you're on a dating app, great, good for you, has many possibilities, you know, you no longer have to kind of select between the three guys in a village. But dating apps were not designed to bring you the love of your life. They were designed to keep you in the dating Mm -hmm. app because you are a customer to the attention.
1: 100%. Yeah. Yeah, So everyone has... um has their own agenda. So if Tim Cook says that we need more developers, of course he says that we need more developers because his entire ecosystem of the App Store runs on on, on that system. Uh, but if you know where development is going with GPT-3 and CodeX, you can just talk. In the future, you'll be able to talk to that that software, and the software will be written for you. So. Also that paradigm, that world is also going to change. So
0: I'm so happy that you're in in the schools or where you're advising that they teach children to think critically, Mm -hmm. to not believe anything that is said. And and not in a nosy way. Like Mm -hmm. we still, I think, have to respect wisdom. But not, you know, people just shout out their own agendas oftentimes. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe not
1: uh, always with bad intentions. No, no. But everyone has intentions.
0: Do you, I mean, if people... Are now a bit overwhelmed like okay so i would like to explore into the future things um what is going to happen i want to learn more do you have an advice what they could do or perhaps an inspiring podcast or book that really helped you
1: mm, i can i can look up some uh, some inspiring uh, technological sources for you and share that in the show notes that
0: would be wonderful yeah. i think for listeners yeah
1: so for for several domains i created filters for for myself so I don't go to mainstream uh, stuff because mainstream information uh, often doesn't have skin in the game. So they just repeat what they heard somewhere else and they haven't really gone through the motion. so they don't really know uh, in a sense. So I have that for health, I have that for technology and for all different domains, people who are in the know, are in the field. Um, yeah, there's a lot of knowledge to be, to be got in uh, like every domain. But speaking of books that helped me a lot, mm-hmm. so Untethered Soul, ah yeah, a beautiful book, and it helped me to stop with drama, just mm-hmm. drop drama in your life, uh, which is very beneficial. Um, be more open, be able to take a distance from your thoughts. Some other book that I liked very much is from uh, David White. He's mm-hmm. a poet, and his book is called Consolations. And he's able to reframe almost every perspective that you already have. And he, he's able to, in one poem, to change your perception on anger, for example. Hmm. So it's beautiful and it's very wholesome. So okay. it, it's very uplifting. Um, we'll yeah, so put these, it in the show
0: notes for yeah, people so awesome. they can look it up. Good. Wonderful. Good. Thank you so much. I think that was a lot of super interesting food for thought, basically. Um, I hope people found it hopeful. I found it a very hopeful conversation. You sound realistic but hopeful. Am I right there?
1: Yeah, 100%. There are so many opportunities uh, just as long when we empower people. That That's the important thing.
0: Yeah. So I think for listeners, if you're listening today and you have a moment for yourself where you can create that, perhaps go outside or go to a space where it's a bit quiet and just sit and perhaps just write down On a piece of paper, it doesn't have to be dramatic. Like I'm going to sit on a meditation cushion for four hours. You can also just breathe and sit still and write down what you would like in a future ideal situation at your work, for example. Like what would you really like to cherish and what would you really like to drop? And then a moment later, try to see if you can already take one step in that direction. Sometimes it's just easy, easier than we think. And it's good to be aware so thank you so much robert for bringing that inspiration here
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: and thanks listeners for listening to another episode of the unmachine yourself podcast if you found robert's story inspiring for yourself and more for colleagues or for friends or for family members then i would really appreciate it if you would share this episode with your own network um because i think a lot of the things that we talked about are just so urgent now. Um, I think we tend to get overwhelmed with ideas that the future is going to happen in the way that some Silicon Valley tech experts say it will. And we tend to forget that the future is not there yet. We are the ones deciding also, at least in our own space, workspace, et cetera. So we're not just a victim of technology. We're not just a victim of The future, we're playing a part and not taking action is also a very important part in many um, films and the film of life, especially. So, yeah, please do sit and think about this for a bit if you can. Um, And if you happen to have an iTunes app in your phone, then it really helps to leave a nice review because that makes this podcast episode easier to find for other listeners. So that would be uh, amazing. And I'd be very grateful. Until next time. And before I go, I can imagine that over the past episodes, we've really covered a range of topics. And perhaps there were many questions left. Perhaps you sat down and you thought, huh, I don't really know what what they meant. Please do come to our Instagram at joinhatch and drop your questions there because I'm preparing to make one Q&A Um, episode and I'd still have to decide whether it would be me just answering the questions I think it might be more interesting to do that with somebody else because I'm sure I can't really answer all the questions and somebody else might be having a really nice perspective so if you have a wish for a guest also drop it we're just very grateful for your input and then we make the episode together okay thanks bye